Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Dr. Michael Lake will begin a brand new series revealing full-spectrum spiritual warfare for the remnant in the last days. New Year means new opportunities to meet you in person at one of our upcoming events. When you visit the events page of our website, swrc.com, you will find our schedule complete with speakers and topics. We have events this year in Wichita, Kansas, Tri-Cities, Tennessee, and Gettysburg. Our first event of the new year will take place February 16th and 17th in the Tampa Bay, Florida area. Is America in Bible Prophecy? Find out from Donald Perkins. The latest details on the march toward a one-world system will be revealed. Biblical mysteries will be uncovered, and you'll learn how to have true spiritual victory in the invisible war on the saints. Biblical artifacts from Israel will be on display with an archaeologist ready to answer your questions. Tickets for this special event are free, but seating is limited. Don't be left behind. Register today. Friday and Saturday, February 16th and 17th at Hicks Road Baptist Church. Call one 800 652 1144 for more information or visit the events page at swrc.com. Here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, with today's guest. I am amazed and thankful to the Lord for all of the great books that are being written today. I've been reading a very, very helpful and I think one of those great books. It's a fascinating book. It's titled The Kingdom Warrior by Dr. Michael Lake, who was on the phone with me. The full title of the book is The Kingdom Warrior, Full Spectrum Spiritual Warfare, Part 1. That title fitly describes the book. The author, Dr. Michael Lake, is on the phone with me. Dr. Lake, thank you for being available to do a couple of shows on your new book. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, as we start, You have the word warrior in the title of your book. What kind of warrior are you speaking about? And I ask this question because to the modern mind, the word warrior is terribly offensive. You know, the oppressive white man kind of thing. So tell us about the word warrior. It's ones that fight in behalf of God. And we're not talking about a physical warfare. This is a spiritual warfare. And we, we need to realize in the body of Christ, as long as we're living on planet Earth, we are in the enemy's territory. Yes. And that's why the, you know, the Apostle Paul talks quite a bit about even telling Timothy, you need to you know, buck up and be a good soldier in Christ, and talks about the weapons of our warfare. And if we are ignorant of the devices of the enemy, we can find ourselves claiming to follow Christ, but either be defunct in our Christian walk or actually become a flipped agent, and we're actually doing more for the enemy than we're doing for God. Right, right. I think that's so true. Um, We are in a battle, and especially today, I think, in our nation, in the world, as a matter of fact, what's happening, I think, is not just normal or natural evil. It's a what should I say, a demonic attack of the worst sort. I mean, I never thought our country would come to where it is at the present time. And I I believe all of this is certainly um, a part of spiritual warfare. And I think in a a certain sense, the church is responsible because I think, even as you point out, 
So many churches are sound asleep. They, you know, want people to feel good, so on and so forth. And that's true. We need to feel good, but we need to be prepared. We are in a battle. Now, you don't feel that modern theology adequately emphasizes the millennial reign of Messiah King Jesus. And not only is the subject overlooked, but it is flat out denied by many in the body of Christ. So, why is the millennial reign of Messiah important, and why do people overlook it or even deny it? You know, there's a you know there's different you know eschatological positions. And one of them, when Jesus comes back, it's just dead, and we go into uh, the new heaven and new earth. Yet, when you look at the amount of biblical prophecy about what it's going to be like during the Messianic age, during when Jesus comes back and rules and reigns, brother. There are actually more scriptural references to that than there were his first coming. Right. And, and I believe that the Apostle John was very succinct when he said he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And, you know, to be truthful, I think the elite take it very seriously, too, because they keep on trying to come up with this pseudo-millennial reign that is occult-based. Right. Whether it's communism or the Nazis or whatever, they're trying to replicate and, and somehow derail what only Christ can do. I think that's so so true, so well put. When you look at uh, so many scriptures, there's so much about the, about the rain. I used to be a partial preterist, and you know what they are, of course. And I think that's one of the sad things about any form of preterism, that the, uh, the reign of Christ on earth is allegorized and spiritualized, and uh, I think that's very wrong. Do Christians living today have any role or part in this millennial reign of uh, Messiah Jesus? I think we're learning how to prepare for it now. When we learn how to walk in the kingdom, it's not only us getting victory now and maturing it to the place that we need to be, but I think it's preparing us for the future. And you know, there's, there, the, the book of Revelation talks about those that overcome are going to rule and reign with him. And I would, I would rather, when we get to that place, be found a servant that was free of the machinations of the enemy and really walking in the kingdom so that I can actually be a part and be useful in his administrative reign. And I, I, I think that all of us, if we, if we really stop and think about it a while, we would want to be found worthy to be a part of what he's doing in the earth both now, both now and during that millennial reign. I know um, yesterday, Sunday, I preached on Isaiah 9, verse 6, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And a lot of people, you know, think of government in terms of human government. And I remember Ronald Reagan once said, uh, the 10 most frightening words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. And it was quite a character. But, but yeah, the, the, the government in the future is not like our government today or like so many governments that become unruly and authoritarian and become uh, a Messiah figure and want that honor. But this government that we're talking about is, is very special. It's run by the Son of God, and what a day that will be. Oh, absolutely. The Bible says war will cease. That's the time that we're going to turn our spears into yeah. plowshares, and they'll tell them what we're going to turn our nukes and, and different things into. But imagine a thousand years of peace, prosperity, and almost, in a sense, almost taking us back to the garden, except 
you know, Adam, the first shepherd, messed it up, but Jesus, the good shepherd, establishes what God wanted from the beginning. Yes, and that's so wonderful. And, and in fact, as you're speaking, I know that I believe you're the uh, administrator or president of a, a school. Maybe tell us a little bit about the school, because I know some of your students, and I'm very impressed with them, and I know what you believe and what you write about. Where's your school, and what is the name of it? It's Biblical Life College and Seminary, and we have kind of dialed it back the last few years. The dynamics of what's going on and, and with people wanting to get into the Word has changed. We found that 98% just simply wanted a deeper walk with God because, to be truthful, they weren't getting it in their local congregations. Yes. And so uh, the, the seminary is almost in by invitation only so that we can dial that back. We have a new thing that we're calling the Strategic Remnant Learning Center. I'm putting almost 2,000 messages together that will be for free download. And uh, we're, we're having conferences twice a year, and many of our speakers are bringing some of their stuff materials in that we can post, and it's like all you can eat smorgasbord to really establish <laughs> yourself in the kingdom of God. Yes, yes. Well, I did an interview a couple of months ago with one of your graduates. I, I just can't remember his name now, but he's from uh, Pennsylvania. I looked at his credentials and where his training was, and I, I knew automatically he had studied under you or in your school. Uh, I must say I was very, very impressed with him. So praise the Lord for that. Dr. Lake, what is the goal of all kingdom warriors? Number one, to really honor Christ. But when, when we look at what, what I'm trying to present in the book, and this is going to be first of several books, when people teach on spiritual warfare, they always talk about the authority we have in Christ and casting out devils or whatever, but they never deal with how to get your life free of their influence so that you can maintain your own perimeter properly. Amen. And uh, when I was in the military, and uh, I, I, you know, some people had a hard time during boot camp, I loved it because you got to shoot stuff, blow stuff up, you know, the, <laughs> the, red Amer the red-blooded American guy, you know, the bigger the bang, the bigger the smile. But when I got out of, out of that and got to my first assignment, we were, ha we were actually setting up for war games, and all of a sudden, I was having you dig foxholes. I was having to run Constantine wire. I was having to patrol to make sure that the enemy couldn't get in. And I found it drudgery. You know, I'm, I'm tired of this. Let's shoot something, you know. And uh, I had a master sergeant that had actually been through war, and he said, Lake, he said, listen, I've been with you out on the shooting range. If you can see it, you can hit it. But no matter how good your weapons are and how good you are at them, if you do not maintain your perimeter, the enemy will overrun you and kill mm, you. Wow. And you want to talk about a light coming. I was almost like a come-to-Jesus yeah. moment. All of a sudden, I got serious about it. But yet, we, we preach, uh, especially in, in the Spirit-filled area, okay? They preach spiritual warfare like the devil can never touch you, that there's nothing that you have to worry about, but you have all this authority over him. Right. And I remember one time when we, when we were going through a real trial, my wife says, you know, all these guys are preaching the devil's teeth have been pulled out. But uh, I, I think I'm getting gummed to death. <laughs> you know? And uh, God began to take us on this road of learning how to close the doors to the enemy and open doors to God, which is actually the avenue to blessing with God. Wow. Yeah, you, you write about your military experience. I think you were at Fort Sill, which is about maybe 95 miles from here. And uh, you say that you were uh, as deadly with an IBM Selectric typewriter as you were with an M16. Chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. <laughs> but you approach spiritual yeah. warfare theologically and militarily. 
And we have to protect our perimeter. The enemy's trying to get in. The enemy is alive and well, and we know how it's going to turn out, but he's still doing a great deal of damage today. Absolutely. He's trying to get into our families to destroy them. He, he tries to get between your ears to where you're not thinking right. He's trying to get into churches to either neutralize them or tear them apart, uh, especially if they're really doing something for God. In fact, I listened to a testimony recently from a man in Africa that he was actually the chief warlock of all of Africa, okay? And he was assigned to go after this church because they were praying, and he said, now, if these people finish this 40 days of prayer, it will stop what we're doing for 70 years. They handed this warlock a 500-page report on the pastor. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Of, 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 his, of his genealogy, of possible open, open generational doors and hot, and hot buttons that they could use. And they said, listen, every time that we have tried to attack these people, they have either died or been converted. So we're going to send you in to bless them. You're going to come in as, as Mr. Big Money. And they actually destroyed that thing within days of them hitting that 40 days of prayer because they knew exactly the buttons to hit. Yeah. That's why letting the Holy Spirit do his work and getting us free of, of the past and what the enemy has done and, and learn to deal with generational tendencies and all these things are so important. We need to get to where we're really armored, where the enemy is concerned, and we make it difficult for him to find an inroad. Yes. Well, friends, we're visiting with Dr. Michael Lake, author of The Kingdom Warrior. This book is really a training manual for the remnant in the art of war from a biblical and kingdom perspective. Our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. Dr. Lake, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's Orgy Island is certainly a good example of depravity at the end of the downward spiral, as you put it, a very, very effective way of putting it. And the more we delve into the lives of people in high places, it seems that this pedophile depravity is active in every layer of American life. So has God abandoned us? This is terrible. Do you think there's a reasonable hope for revival in America? I mean, I do see good signs. I see pushback against the darkness. Uh, That is encouraging. But the darkness sometimes seems so overwhelming and stifling. So is there reasonable hope for revival? That's my question. There is. There's reasonable hope for revival. God has, I think, lifted his hands, if you will, as a nation off of America because of the sins. But we're going back to the time, you know, Jesus said in the days of Noah, so will be in, in the last days. And it was the individual walk. Our end, we, we can't ride on the coattails of ministries. We can't ride the, on the coattails of past generations in America. God is calling us for this in-depth personal walk. And when he does, we can, we can stay in a constant state of revival. And I believe with what God is getting ready to do, we're probably, although there's going to be great conflict and there's going to be this, this conflict between the two kingdoms, I think we're going to see probably one of the greatest revivals that we have seen in the history of the church. I believe that. Praise the Lord. Well, wow. You know, this this whole matter, I co-authored a book with Tom Horn and Donna Howell, Final Fire, about revival in the end times. And like I said, I, I see this pushback, and I even see 
Democrats, who were very left-wing, they are now changing their minds. Business owners are leaving cities. They're losing money. People are breaking in, breaking the windows, stealing stuff. And, and in some states, uh, you know, don't call a cop unless they steal more than $1,000 worth of, worth of goods. So in other words, if you're a thief, you need to have a calculator with you. <laughs> so, and people are saying, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. So I love the pushback, and uh, we as the remnant need to pray that the pushback will grow and be an overwhelming flood. I, I think people are waking up to the technocratic uh, machinations that are going on right now in America. They're trying to dismantle or deconstruct everything. We're, we're in a time that we don't even know if we're male or female. We don't know <laughs> right from wrong. We're calling good evil and evil good. And uh, in, in that type of darkness... Yes. It is the greatest opportunity for the Church of Jesus Christ to wake up, to, to rise up and say, this is truth, this is sin, this is righteousness, and give a clear delineation. Well, I, Because I, th I, I, th I think people are looking. Yes, they're, they're waking up. In fact, um, something happened last week or the week before where uh, Home Secretary um, Mayorkas, he gave orders to the Border Patrol. He said, now when you meet these illegals, be respectful and ask them their gender preference. Now that's instructions <laughs> to, to the Border Patrol. Now these people, they have many needs. They want food. They wonder if they're going to get to America. What about their kids? They're not concerned about gender preference at all. This guy is out of touch with reality. And I think that's one of the definitions of insanity. We have insane leaders. And guess what's happening? People are saying, wait, this is insane. Even people who, who were not really on our side are now saying, whoa, where are we going? I think that's a good thing. It is. In fact, here locally, there was a big controversy with the school lunch programs mm -hmm. that uh, they, they had to install rules that you could not discriminate by, by whatever gender <laughs> that they identify themselves with. And now, listen, if it's a hungry child... I don't care if they think they're Marvin the Martian, you feed them. <laughs> right. there, there, there is no need for the silliness, and there is not one case anywhere in America that some, that some kid that was confused because they've been drinking the Kool-Aid, that some teacher or some administrator didn't feed a hungry child. Yes, yes, that's so true. Now, you mentioned something a few minutes ago, and uh, you, you've got some tremendous ideas. I want to speak about I think you call them generational tendencies. I think of the story in Mark chapter 9. The little boy was controlled by a dark force, a demon, who threw the boy into fire and water and tried to destroy the little boy. And this boy was like that since he was a little child. In other words, he was too young for this to be connected with something that he had done, some evil that he was directly responsible for. So, was this a generational transfer? And tell us a little bit about generational tendencies. I think that's a very important and often overlooked issue. Yeah, generational tendencies come in two ways. Number one, you could have a familiar spirit that goes from generation to generation. Once one of these spirits get embedded into a family line, they tend to claim the DNA of that family line. And they will, they will try to weasel their way in. You know, the, the Bible is not clear on exactly how this entered into this child, although we have found, especially with dealing with those coming out of the occult, that there could be rituals done that the child is demon-possessed from birth. 
But the, the other side of generational tendencies are when we have bought lies from the enemy, and they become part of our worldview and how we react to the world around us. And we teach them to our children on an unconscious level. Mm, you know, wow. prejudice has to be taught. Our, our uh, sinful behavior has to be taught. You can even see they're taught, or there's a spirit that drives it within a family line. And, you know, one you can cast out, the other one, the only way to take care of it is through repentance and renewing our minds to the Word of God. Amen. Well, let, let me stop you right here. We're just about out of time, and this is too important to just rush through. So. Thank you, Dr. Lake. We're out of time, but we're looking forward to a follow-up show with you on your new book, and we will start that show with Generational Tendencies. Dr. Michael Lake's new book, The Kingdom Warrior, is today's featured resource. The Kingdom Warrior is a training manual for the remnant in the art of war from a biblical and kingdom perspective. As the stakes are raised in the final conflict, It is time for the Kingdom Warrior to understand a full-spectrum concept of spiritual warfare that is both offensive and defensive. In the book, you'll discover the five aspects of grace, the binary nature of the spirit realm, an unexpected weapon of mass destruction in the arsenal of the believer, how to overcome the psychological warfare of the enemy, and how winning the war within places you on solid footing to fight the war without. Order the Kingdom Warrior and be ready for battle. Order your copy when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order on our website, swrc.com. Ministry friend Larry Stamm comes now with insight and encouragement on sharing our faith with friends and family. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here. So glad you're joining us as we continue this teaching series, Serving in His Court, Biblical Principles for Personal Evangelism from the Heart of a Coach. In our last lesson, we continued to talk about spiritual warfare as it pertains to our witness for Jesus Christ. And we talked a little bit about Satan's scorched earth strategy, that he desires to snatch the Word of God out of the heart of unbelievers when it's sown, how he seeks to blind the mind of unbelievers. But I also talked about the fact that we have victory in Christ. Remember Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Jesus said, I shall build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I want to tell you a little story that will amplify and illustrate the reality that you and I as witnesses for Jesus, we have the victory, that we are victorious, that The war has been won, though the battles are yet being fought. If you're familiar with World War II, if you remember, December 7th, 1941, Japan bombs Pearl Harbor. The United States the next day enters World War II. And if any of you have been to Pearl Harbor, you can be standing. And I've been there. I've been there before. And I've been to Pearl Harbor. And you go to the Arizona Memorial where our beginning to enter World War II began. I was standing on the Arizona Memorial, that sunken ship, the beginning of World War II in Pearl Harbor. I'm looking across the harbor and I'm looking at the USS Missouri where Japan in September of 1945 officially surrendered. If you know anything about World War II, 
I liken the story of the end of World War II, at least in the Pacific Theater, to our spiritual victory we have in Christ in this way. If you remember, when Christ goes to the cross and then he, he resurrects on the third day, he has overcome the power of sin and death, and, and the victory was won. And so what's happening now is because the spiritual war has been won in Christ because the tomb is empty and Christ has won the victory, the skirmishes are still playing out. At the end of World War II, when Japan officially surrendered on the USS Missouri in September of 1945, friends, you need to understand that it was days. In fact, in some cases, it was weeks that there were Japanese and allied forces on atolls, on little islands in the Pacific. They were continuing to fight. There were people on the mainland of Japan who heard the news and didn't believe it. They said, that's propaganda. Those are lies. We don't believe it. We're not surrendering. And these battles were being fought for days and even weeks, although the reality of the situation was the war had been won. Victory had been declared. The big difference here is that though the war has been won and Jesus is alive and we have the victory, the enemy still continues to fight and we are still continuing to battle spiritually. Although the end game is set in stone, the victory has been won. So friends, understand we have the victory. The war has been won. Jesus is alive. He's conquered the power of sin and death. And because of that, you and I as Christians, we have the victory. But we need to understand that the battle continues to rage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, the Apostle Paul wrote, and we can echo these words of Paul who wrote, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you think about the fact that we're fighting a spiritual war, not only in the evangelistic realm, but in every area of our life, it's comforting to know that, yes, the war has been won. Jesus has won the victory, and you and I are called to walk in that victory. And walking in that victory is sometimes a real struggle on this side of glory. Sometimes we're going to be beaten. Sometimes we're going to be bloodied. Sometimes we're going to fall. Sometimes we're going to struggle. But friends, at the end of the day, you and I have the victory in Jesus Christ. Never, ever forget that. I hope that's been an encouragement to you as we wrap up this section of Serving in His Court, talking about the spiritual war. Next time, we're going to talk about the evangelistic toolbox. What kind of equipment has God given us to walk in victory, to do the work of evangelism, to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ? Friends, tune in next time. But until then, the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Shalom. As the stakes are raised in the final conflict, it's time for the Kingdom Warrior to understand a full-spectrum concept of spiritual warfare that is both offensive and defensive. Order The Kingdom Warrior by Dr. Michael Lake and be ready for battle. Order your copy when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order at our website, swrc.com. 
Tomorrow, Dr. Michael Lake continues his series showing how to be Kingdom Warriors. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app, by listening at oneplace.com, or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Thank you.